Welcome to the Basilea Hollywood Podcast, a community of friends committed to the message and practice of Jesus and His Kingdom. Dear God, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for Chris, and thank you for the way he is um, listening to you and in step with you, and I just pray that you would um, help us to hear and, um, yeah, just take into our heart what he has to say from you. Amen. All right. So, uh, we've been going through a series on what's God doing in our life, and I had so much that God was doing, I had to go twice, and so... Uh, <laughs> Um, the, uh, no, I had a lot, a lot to learn. That's what it is. Um, uh, and so last week I talked about denying yourself. Uh, God, Jesus says, if you want to follow him, deny yourself, take up your cross, which means die, like take up your execution device and go toward your death. And about, we talked about losing your life in order to find it, how there's a spiritual principle that, that he teaches. And so yeah, and, and we, le- we learned that, uh, that, that some suffering is necessary in life, but there's also some suffering that, that is unnecessary, that we're causing because we're not dying, because we're staying alive, we're trying to stay alive, we're trying to preserve something, preserve our life. So, and like letting go of control and, and that how we just don't really know what's best for us. And uh, so, so the, uh, the, the next part of it, um, Bill, can you put up uh, John 10.10? 10? The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I came, this is Jesus saying, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Have life and have it abundantly. So that, that was the first thing that convicted me recently. Now let's do uh, Philippians 4, uh, 4 through 5. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. So seeing some of those, there's also another one we'll cover later about uh, Paul learning the secret to to being content. The secret to being content in all circumstances, in want and in need, and and want and and in plenty. And those all just convicted me of how much I'm not, not giving thanks enough in my life. I'm not rejoicing enough in my life. And it brought me back to the same thing of, of the more we die, the more we'll live in this life. The more we die, the more we will live and come alive in this life. And I found within me, and, I, and within I think a lot of the people around me, is there, there's a contentment resentment. Like a contentment resentment to, to, there's a resentment to being, it's almost like a simple-minded thing of to, to, to be content. And... I've seen that resistance in my own life. And, uh, and so, like, growing up, I was, uh, I had a lot of emotions, but I was pretty much in control of them. I was very much controlling. Like, I, in high school, early high school, I had a lot of, like, uh, like you know, just emotional, heavy things happen. Like, mom got cancer, grandpa died, one of my friends committed suicide. It was a lot, all in the same like, time period. And my counselor kept bringing me in, and, and he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, I'm great, I'm great. You know, I got straight A's, made varsity, and, and I'm, I'm great. And I, I, just, I just compartmentalized it and shut it down. And, and it worked in some ways. It didn't work in other ways. There's advantages and disadvantages. And then, 
as I got into, into college, uh, for the first time I started going in, into the arts and started be, like, studying acting, and I realized I needed to be in t- more in touch with my feelings. And this pendulum switched from one side of controlling my feelings to enthroning them, completely enthroning them. And of course there's advantages and disadvantages of both, but, uh, but both sides are untrue. Uh, in, in, the, in the high school side, it, it, was, it was God is good. Like, I, God is good, but there's, there's something a little not genuine about it, a little inauthentic about it, a little, little fake about it. I was saying it, but I wasn't fully living it. And then, uh, and then in, the, in the second half of my life now, in throwing his, my feelings, now I'm, it's my, my life is more saying, hey, God is not bad. I, I don't know if I can say good, but God is not bad. And like I said, both those responses are, are, have been have been wrong in my life, so wrong. And I see a parallel too in, in generations too. Like I see, I see within my dad and his generation, my grandpa's generation, this, this real strong control of feelings. And, and obviously it works in some ways. I mean, gosh, the grandpa's generation was the greatest generation. They did amazing things. Uh, and then I see in, uh, uh, you know, but, but there's also some part about that that seems less real sometimes. Sometimes like my parents' friends seem less real and less authentic, maybe. A little out of touch. But then now with, with my generation, the generation like, uh, in front of me now, there, there's, we've gone emo. That there's, there's, there's an emphasis on safe spaces. There's a, uh, uh, there's, you know, SNL did a Debbie Downer sketch years ago. And, and, and there's, there's, a, there's an emphasis on, on the negative and on, uh, on our emotions and enthroning our emotions. And almost to the point where being authentic is, is actually being a little more bitter and being cynical. And actually, it's almost cool to be cynical. If we call ourselves believers, we have no place for cynicism in our life. None. So I look at my dad's generation, my grandpa's generation, and I'm like, okay, you guys, you, got, you guys need some therapy, okay? You guys need to, you guys need to process some stuff. And, and that's probably true. But then I look at my generation, and a lot of people I know, including myself, have gone to therapy, and we're not any happier. So who's right? And the thing is, we're both wrong in some ways. We're both wrong. Because both of these, these methods are useless unless we're dying to ourselves. If we're living for ourselves, both ways will be useless. We can change our lives around as much as we want. The more we die, the more we become alive. And, and there's this emphasis on, in, in our culture on, on uh, protecting our rights and fighting for our rights. And that's, that's an that's a important ideal in, in secular society. But in God's economy, we, when we come to him, we surrender all our rights our right to ourself, our right to anything. We surrender. And it sounds drastic, it sounds severe, but when we do that, then everything is a gift. Everything is, is, we can enjoy everything now because everything is just like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, this is amazing. Wow, it's, it, it infuses a gratitude in our life that, uh, that makes rejoicing as natural as breathing. And a lot of times I don't have that. And, and, and I feel like I, I want that. I feel like I'm... I think, I think we're meant to have that. That's, a, that's an ideal. In Psalm 13, uh, I'm not gonna read through it all, but uh, it begins with, how long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? 
And if we could skip down through, he goes through this lament, this lament about his state in life, this lament of the suffering he's going through. This is David writing this. And then at, at the very end, the last three verses, the last couple of verses. Yeah, one more. Let's see. But, yeah, he, he goes through all this lament and then he says, but I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And you, hear, you see David here holding the two in tension. This, this suffering and this goodness of God. This, this, this suffering and this ability to rejoice at the same time. And, and I feel like there's a penchant within us and within me to, to want to choose a side, a prosperity gospel or a scarcity gospel. And I, and I, and I go back and forth that pendulum without, getting, without finding that balance that only he can achieve. So when I look at, at, uh, at, at the reasons why, yeah, and so, yeah, there's those two things, fusing those two things in our life. Uh, that should be our goal, because there's, there's one side that focuses on that latter half, and there's one side that focuses on the front half, as opposed to just the one whole holistic thing. So uh, I was going to throw, actually, yeah. Um, Jer, do you mind catching this? All right, cool. Everyone watch Jer. Everyone watch Jer over here. Get ready. Oh, shoot. I didn't get it to you. Sorry. Um, but do you see that there? Like, like, you know, his natural defense mechanism is, is, to, is to adjust to where the, where the thing's going. He, he, you know, his natural, like, God-given ability is to react to where it's coming. And I was going to throw it, like, way too fast, which is stupid, you know. Like, I should just toss it to him. But there's a flinching mechanism that, that protects us from pain. If someone's going to hit us, there's a flinch that, that actually protects us. But... It becomes over-exercised, and we, and we actually take it into, the, into circumstances where we don't need to flinch. And until all the pain accumulates in our life, and it's accumulated in my life to where my whole life is, is one big flinch away from God and away from, from happiness and away from joy, it turns into one big flinch. And just like seeing a, you know, one of those little uh, rescue dogs, I mean, it's so hard to convince them that you're not going to hurt them because they've been hurt so many times. And it's the same way with us sometimes. It's so hard to talk to ourselves. Like, oh, you're not gonna get hurt. You're not gonna get hurt. And just like last week I said about the, you know, the dog who won't give up the ball and, and like the, my, my natural response going into a doctor or a dentist. Like, I don't wanna surrender control because there's a, res, a gut flinch protection response that, that serves me in some ways but hurts me in other ways. There's a, Brene Brown is this uh, social scientist and, and there's a, you know, she's gone viral on YouTube. I recommend watching some of her videos. She has some great, great, uh, stories and ways of looking at life. And uh, she tells a story of this guy that is, it's heartbreaking because I relate to it. He says, my whole life, I never got too excited about anything. That way, if things didn't work out, I wasn't devastated. And if they did, it was a pleasant surprise. And when this man was in his 60s, his wife was of 40 years old, and his wife of 40 years was killed in a car accident. And he says, he's, the second I realized she was gone, the second I realized she was gone, I knew I should have leaned harder into those moments of joy because not doing so did not protect me from what I feel now. Not doing so did not protect me from what I'm doing now. And, and that's, some, 
so much of how I live my life, I think I, I can kind of, almost like, a, like two bank accounts, I can take away some of my joy and, and put it in my, in my suffering account and it'll even things out and it'll help, it'll, it'll or it almost, I'll make a sacrifice of not celebrating, a sacrifice of not rejoicing, because I think subconsciously, it's not logic, I think subconsciously that I, I'll have less suffering in my life. And it's a total lie, it's a total lie. I used to play football, and I, and I was, uh, it was my favorite sport, and I had so much fun doing it. And when I scored a touchdown, I never did a touchdown dance. And, and there's some people that don't do touchdown dances. That's not their thing. But I, I'm the kind of person who love, would love a touchdown dance. But I never did a touchdown dance because there was something within me that's like, oh, oh no, I'm not celebrating fully until, like, we may have scored, but I'm not celebrating fully until we're two, two scores ahead. Okay, no, no, until we're three scores ahead. And I keep postponing it until, okay, until we're winning. Oh, no, until, we're, uh, until we've won the game. Oh, we have a game next week, so I can't fully celebrate. And I keep postponing this. And I feel like we do that sometimes in our life, too. We, we postpone the celebration because we can't, we're waiting to exhale. We're waiting for something to happen. And all the while, like, nothing's ever going to be perfect in this life. Nothing's ever going to fully go our way. We've just got to let go and celebrate in these moments. We're, we're pregnant, and one of the first parts... <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're pregnant, yeah, okay, okay, you're pregnant, my wife is pregnant, not we're, okay. I've been feeling great, I've been feeling fine, I don't feel any sickness at all, but the, there we go, there we go, thank you, thank you. Um, but there's, there's a part of me that has not been celebrating fully, because I'm like, oh, I'm not going to celebrate until, until she's out, I'm not celebrating until she's out, and it's, it's subconscious, but, but, it's, but it's like, I've noticed I haven't been fully acknowledging and haven't been like really, oh my gosh, I've been like capping my joy. Just like that guy in that story, because I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to get my hopes up. I'm going to get my hopes up. But it's, we have so much to hope for in, in God. We have so much to hope for in God. So even if, if something doesn't work out, there's so, much, there's so much available joy, and there's so much available, there's so much to hope for. So I'm not missing out on anything by, by hoping. I don't lose anything by, hope, by hoping. But yeah, I, I walk around like I'm going to lose something by hoping. I, I walked into the, this audition this year, and uh, it was a commercial audition, and, and they asked me my favorite sports team, and I told them the Chargers, who've never won a Super Bowl, and they're, all, they're like, okay, uh, now, uh, I, here's, we're, we're recording now. Imagine you just found out they won the Super Bowl. And like, I flipped out. Uh, I was just like, oh my gosh, and I just like, went nuts. She actually stepped back like this. <laughs> and it was so much, I didn't get the job, of course, but, yeah who, yeah, who cares about an honest, uh, honest emotion rea emotional reaction? But uh, I, I walked out of there. Nothing had changed in my life. Nothing. They didn't win the Super Bowl. They weren't even, it wasn't even football season. Nothing had changed. But I felt so good. I was like, oh, my gosh. Life's amazing. Life's amazing. Like, there's possibility. There's... And it was, it was this, this action I took that was not based on feeling, that was not based on circumstance, that was not based on anything other than a suggestion, a command, if you will. In ancient Jewish culture, the scribes who would study the scriptures, they took it very seriously. They would study, and it was, it was like all day long, and they'd take very little breaks. It was very important for them to study all the time. That was their task. But if a wedding came along, it was commanded that they would get up and dance and celebrate furiously. And I don't know if you've been to an Orthodox wedding, a Jewish Orthodox wedding, but it is, it is exciting. I mean, it is furious dancing. I mean, furious, like, like almost to the point where in the beginning you're like, you're just faking this, right? Because you are like sweating like crazy. But, it, but it's, there's something that happens when you, you start to choose to dance furiously. 
you actually start having fun. You actually start celebrating. You start actually getting in the mood. And there's something about that in life. He commands us to rejoice. Rejoice always. There's definitely a time to mourn, and I'm not belittling any grief. Like, I still, my mom died eight years ago. I still mourn it every day. I still mourn it. But it doesn't mean I cap my joy. And when joy comes about, which the next day after she died, I was, I was cracking up laughing. Not the whole day, but, but there, there was a, we went out to dinner with my friends. My friends all came down. We went out to dinner, and we were, we were laughing about something. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like, I'm laughing. That's amazing. Because I'm not capping my emotions. Sure, I cried that morning. I cried that night. And it was like, and, but if, if we're honest with our emotions, there's joy that's waiting, waiting to come out. And we're capping it. And it's a misrepresentation of God. This can't complain Christianity. Like, ah, can't complain. How you doing? Can't complain. How is that glorifying to him? I, I, I misrepresent him all the time. You know, I'm mad at a certain leader right now of a certain nation who's representing a certain country right now. But, uh, but uh, what am I doing to my God? Well, how am I misrepresenting him? And if I look at the cross, I look at what happened on the cross, like death was defeated. Our, our, connect, our relationship with God was restored. Our sins are forgiven forever. Our sins are forgiven. We're free, we're redeemed. The greatest thing that will ever happen to us in our life has already happened. And, 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 I, and I'm like, ah, okay, I'll, I'll raise my hand today. Or, or ah, I don't really feel like, like worshiping. I don't really feel like praying. I don't really feel like smiling. The best thing that has ever happened in our life has happened. What was lost in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve was regained in the Garden of Gethsemane. All right, I walk around and I, and I, I can't rejoice and I, and, I, and I lose my gentleness, okay? Yeah, talk about on traffic, being on the road, like how ungentle I am with people. Because I feel like I've, I've lost something. Someone cuts me off and I've lost something permanently. I, I act as if like I had something taken out of me. And, and, and if I look at the cross, there's nothing, nothing major that I have lost that will not regain tenfold and hundredfold in heaven. And sometimes even in this life. And yet, I have trouble rejoicing. I have trouble, you know, I'm, you know, I have trouble rejoicing and being gentle. It's a misrepresentation, a gross misrepresentation of God. Like I said, and this is not about, there, there's a time to mourn, there's a time for grief, and I'm gonna carry my grief that I've lost, you know, and, I'm gonna, and there'll be more grief, you know? As, as, as we all grow old and we all start dying, my grandma lost four people this week. She died in her life. Just dropping like flies. They're, she's eight in the mid-80s, that's what happens. It's guaranteed to happen to us. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna have so much more loss than we have now and, and so there's, there's going to be pain, but, the, but there's going to be joy in the midst of that. And, and we do such, God such an injustice when we cap it, when we think we're going to somehow make an exchange of our joy for, for less pain, because it's not going to happen. I, I believe we need to repent of our moods and our attitudes. And I believe, like, I've been filled with myself but, and in this culture, but specifically here as well. In Basile, I feel like we've been, we've been carrying a mood sometimes that, that, is, that is not based on circumstance even. Maybe past things have happened years ago. We've, we're carrying something. I believe we need to repent of it and shake it off. Hmm. Well, thank you. Love that. <laughs> Love that. Oh. I'm going to read. I'm going to give you a, a barrage of scripture right now, and, and I'm just going to throw it at you. Okay, I'm going to throw it at you. Okay. Uh, 
and you don't need to worry about this following this, um, but uh, okay, God says to David after, after he's sinned with Bathsheba, he says, like, if all of this I'd given you had not been enough, I would have given you even more. If all that, that I'd given you had not been enough, I would have given you even more. I believe he's saying that to us too. When I'm whining, when I'm complaining, what we have is, is more than enough because it's, it's our outlook on it. Like there's, we, we know, I'm sure we all know rich people in this room who, who have like, you know, we've, all, we've been on, on boats and everything and seen that people aren't happier than us. They're, they're not happier than us, you know? But, but, but yet, yet we act like, like, like there's something, we're missing something or, or, or we see someone, oh, oh, they have that, oh, they have that. And it's like, it's such a misrepresentation of God because he's given us enough. If it had not been enough, he would have given us even more. Every, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. The sufferings we have now are nothing compared to the glory that's gonna be shown to us. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. He's overcome the world. This giant globe, he's overcome it. Every army, everything against us, he's overcome. So take heart. If God is for us, who can be against us? Seriously, seriously, who can be against us? And he who did not spare his own son, let's put this one up, that's eight, Romans 8, 31 to 32. He would not spare, yeah, what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He would not spare his own son, but delivered him for us all. How will he not also with him freely give us all things? Nothing will separate us from Christ, nothing this prosperity gospel that we hear being preached out and about here and there is false. The scarcity gospel is equally as false. But there's something about the prosperity gospel they're getting right. They just have that on the outside and on the inside. And I believe we should be walking around with so much inner prosperity. And I'm, I'm so guilty of not walking around with inner prosperity. Flourishing of heart. Whether I, whether I, am, I am destitute, poor, and naked on the street, there's an inner inner flourishing that should be happening, an inner prosperity that should be, should be so evident to the people around us. And our city needs joy. Our city needs that contentment. They need to see something different in us. And a lot of times we're just, we're just playing along with the, with the culture and being, yeah, life does suck. You know, life is hard. And it is. But, but we know a greater reality, a bigger reality. We're not being real when we commiserate with people like that. We're not being real when we sympathize in that way. What if dying to ourself is, is celebrating more and rejoicing more and, and giving thanks more? What if it's, it's, uh, what if it's saying God is good and, and meaning it or, or going back to God and, and wondering and asking him why we don't feel it, why we don't feel that statement's true? It's, it's not staring at the clouds, it's, it's looking beyond the clouds and looking at the sun always shining. His, his favor toward us is unending and unchanging because of the cross. The sun is always shining, whether we're on the other side of the earth or whether we have clouds and rain, it's always shining. So we have an anchor to, to rejoice at all times. The best thing that has ever happened has happened to us already. And nothing in this life will ever compare to that. I'm gonna ask the, the worship team to come up again. Um, Bill, can you put up that, uh, that thing? We're going to be worshiping, and, uh, and as you sing, or you can just sit there quietly, I want you to think of this question. 
Is there part of you that resists saying God is good? Is there a part of you that resists saying God is good? And ask him, ask him why. Every, every day I have to ask God to take away my anger toward him. Every day. It's hard to say I'm forgiving God because he didn't do anything wrong, but, but I have anger toward him and only he can take it away, but it kind of seems weird to go to him. Like I can't go to Jill and say, hey, take my anger away toward you. I can't say that, but I can say it to God. And if we're holding on to something, if we're not dying to something, now's the time to do it. What are we waiting for? What are we waiting for in this life to celebrate? The best thing that has ever happened has already happened. So let's, uh, let's spend some time in prayer, closing our eyes. Uh, Suze and, and Bill are gonna be up here in the corner and if you guys can go up and get prayer. If you're struggling with something or if you're having trouble letting something go, tell someone next to you even. But, uh, but let's get it out of our chest. Let's get that blockage removed and celebrate.